0: So, how many of you guys think Jesus is more awesome than any issue
1: that you've imagined in the last couple weeks? He is stronger than anything you've faced, and he is full of goodness and joy and blessings. Gosh, he is so good. And I, I stand here today super excited that, that he is active right here in this room. He's here right with us right now. Welcome, Jesus. We're glad you're in this room. He's here. His Holy Spirit is right here. His Holy Spirit, I hear, is uh, is in Jack right now. Wow. Filling and controlling Jack to be just like Jesus on this planet. That's pretty sweet. And anyway, as we get started, guys, I just wanted to say I am super excited to be here. This topic is one that I am thrilled to be going over today. I feel like it's been something that... That we've needed to do for a long time, just a good training on how to lead a Bible study. And it would be my hope that everybody in this room, every one of you guys, would, in the near future, be able to lead a Bible study and, and see some multiplication happen. So, before we get started, we're going to kind of hit this again, because I want every one of you to have this memorized. What's at the top?
0: Meeting people.
1: Meeting people.
0: Okay,
1: okay Jake, what's next? Oh, uh, sharing the gospel. Yeah, share. Good news. Is the good
0: news good news? Yes.
1: It's the only good news. It's the only good news. Gosh, this world, think of how many people got killed today. Think of how many people found out they had a terminal illness today. Think of how many lies got told. Think of how much gossip and slander there was worldwide. Think of how many relationships ended, how many divorces happened, how many kids got orphaned, how many adopted kids didn't find a family. I mean, just start to think about all the evil that's happening, and it's all a result of sin. And in the middle of that, we have the good news. We have the solution to all of it. It's Jesus. Okay, so we share that good news of the world that desperately needs Jesus, and we get four responses. What are they?
0: Nah. No. OK, so not interested. <laughs> what do we do with the not interested folks?
1: Put them back to the cycle. People. Yeah, we just keep them in the funnel, keep praying for them. Uh, yeah, Maybe maybe they'll come around. And we've seen this happen before.
0: OK, what else do we get? Already a Christian. Already a Christian. OK, who else? Will pray.
1: Will pray. All right. Fruit of the green light. Yes, green fruit is right. OK, okay. now those people we begin doing what with? Yeah, follow up. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna use the word follow up just because the green fruit people we're gonna keep going through their issues, their questions, where they're at, helping them come to a point, putting their trust in Christ. So it's gonna be more follow up, more oriented with them. And then for the uh, people that pray, the will pray people, and the people that are already Christians, uh, we're gonna do discipleship. What do you guys think about the training last week on how to do discipleship? That was pretty good stuff, right? Really, I hope I hope you guys each get to apply that, and if you just came in, some of the discipleship packets are still floating around back there, so feel free to grab one. It's a tool that you should go through first, and no matter how long you've been a Christian, you should go through that tool first, just because it lays a good foundation for how to reproduce that with somebody else. You guys, dropping coffee on a discipleship packet only makes it that much better. I mean it's already awesome.
0: It's gonna smell like coffee. It's
1: gonna smell like coffee. Gosh, talk about a desire to grow in God. You guys did anybody put that in their talk on uh, growth this weekend? What? Coffee? Um, anyway, helps me Okay, so anyway, so yeah, the people that pray with you on the spot or accept Christ go into the discipleship process, where we use that packet to start as a foundation, but then it continues from there. Now, we go into the Bible study section of the Funnel Diagram. So we are kind of going into new territory here today. And what's the first type of Bible study that we talk about here?
0: Discussion groups.
1: Yes, so we're going to do a Jesus group, I'm going to put, but it's a Jesus discussion group. All right, and we're going to get, I'm going to leave this up on the board, and we're actually going to get into more detail in a minute, and it'll all make sense why this happens this way. What's the next type of Bible study that we do? Anybody?
0: Growth. Growth group.
1: And there could be different types of growth groups. It's not just, uh, like, there's only one kind. And finally, what is the last type of Bible study that we group you? Action group. Correct. All right. Okay. Now, this process really sets up multiplication. When we talk about the Great Commission, we want to see the whole world one for Jesus Christ. And disciple to be Christ followers, and that takes multiplication. Remember, we went over the statistics of how long it would take for us in this room to reach the whole world for Christ, and it's literally under 35 years. If we all started right now multiplying once annually, it'd be maybe 32, 33 years before the entire world was one to Christ and discipled and Christ followers. But this process, if we follow it, will actually make that happen, Okay, and we'll see why today. Now we, we talk about putting all this, and this will be next week, we'll talk about this, but what what do we say? Love. Love and unconditional. Acceptance. Grace. Acceptance. And grace. That is the context for the whole Carnal diagram. That's the context for all this that has to happen for discipleship and multiplication to occur. Because if there isn't love and unconditional acceptance and grace, if we're not showing people what Christ showed us, this whole process dies, right? He has to be a four. And if you just come in like Malcolm, feel free to come grab coffee and, uh, and races too. So it'd be good. And also, we're going to talk about, actually, we'll talk about this next week and that two weeks from now, and then we'll be done. We're, we have tools in this process, and I don't want to get too much into those now, but it's things like Connect. Why is Connect not a ministry?
0: Why is Connect not a ministry? Because it's reaching it's reaching people for Christ and not necessarily focusing sheerly on Christians. Mm. People that are no, Christians. because it's not the whole
1: funnel. You're getting closer. There's a specific reason, and we haven't gone over it too much in this, so don't feel bad about not knowing it yet. But Connect, what what is it?
0: Like an initiator, kind of like
1: it, it's, it's, a a it's a tool. Uh, it's a tool to draw people into the funnel. So exactly, have, like, it's, it's part a part of this process. It's a tool. But mm-hmm. here's the deal: Connect starts when seven thirty yeah. Tuesday nights. That's when it starts, and it um, ends like nine o'clock ish. Does Does Jesus ever stop working in your life? No. <laughs> does Jesus ever stop wanting to reach the campus? Does Does Jesus ever go ah? connects it over I'm done till next Tuesday, <laughs> got <it> Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that's anything that happens on a schedule like that aids this process but it's not the whole deal right that's where I think a lot of ministries go real wrong when they put all their energy and all their involvement and investment into an event that starts and ends within a couple hours of a scheduled event does that make sense if it That that is not a ministry. It's a tool to the ministry, but it's not the ministry itself. The same would be true of Sunday morning church services. I'm not saying the church, because the church is a ministry, right? Mm -hmm. But Sunday morning is a tool. It's part of this whole process, but it doesn't end Sunday morning, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll just put Sunday AM. What are some other tools? Books. Ooh, what about the discipleship packet? But DP, that's a tool. That's not the ministry, but it's a tool we can use. What about conferences like DCC, mp 3s etc.? Okay, there are a lot of different tools that all make this process go, and we will study those before the end of the semester a little bit. But today we're going to focus on Bible studies, and if we want to have multiplying Christ-centered growth and action-oriented Bible studies, what's got to happen first? It's not a trick question. Christ has to be able to throw. I knew you'd remember that. I knew you would remember that. And I'm so glad you did. Okay, so I'm going to put a little rice on throne in red right here. Alright, Josh is definitely not on the throne. He's not. Okay, now, can, can the Holy Spirit in you do a Jesus discussion group? Yes. Can the Holy Spirit, you, lead a growth group? Exactly. Can the Holy Spirit, you, lead an action group? Sure. He can. He is totally competent. And He lives in you, and by faith, He desires to do this whole process through your life. So we are going to start by praying and asking Him to be on the throne, asking Him to fill us with His Spirit, and then we're going to get right into it today. So why don't you, Brandon, why don't you just start us out
0: praying really quickly? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything you've blessed us with today, God that we just uh, give you control, God, and that you just fill us with the Holy Spirit, and uh, that you would continue to do so, God, especially uh, before we attempt to lead a Bible study on our own, God, you can't do it. We need your help, so thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. All right, turn to Acts 242. Get out your your Bibles, if you brought your Bible. I think I've started using it your iPod? Would you get that application? Uh, You can just go to the App Store and search. There are a ton of them.
0: The Logos software is pretty awesome.
1: Acts what? Acts 2.42. If you're already reading ahead and wondering what in the world mustard has to do with Bible studies, just let that curiosity keep, uh, keep guiding you through the next few minutes. It'll make sense in a
0: minute.
1: Alright, Acts 2.42. And somebody preferably that doesn't have the old King James Version should read that. Who wants to read it? You give it a go. Okay, do it, Josh.
0: The fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Awesome. That's just
1: an, an early picture of a Bible study in the early church. They were meeting together, they were getting into teaching together, they were learning God's word together. They're fellowshipping. Fellowship, by the way, always involves action. It doesn't end with with um, with knowledge or just hanging out together or having fun. Uh, then they were eating together and they were praying together. That was just those are just some of the characteristics that defined the early church and what we talk about when we talk about a small group Bible study. So I thought it'd be good to start with that picture in our mind because hopefully that's what we're going to hit. Hopefully that's what we're going to attain if we do this process right. So Bible study, what does it have to do with mustard? Okay, we're going to talk about the purpose of a Bible study. And uh, mustard, really, there's no reason to pick that word. It just worked. And so uh, I think acronyms can be fun, so I thought that that would work. So the first one, now let me just check this out real quickly. Okay, good. We do have some room. I'm going to write this up. I want to keep that up for a while. It, it'll be really
0: good. I'm just gonna write this up. I feel like the seeds of mustard? How's that? It's eh, good. It's you know? good. Okay.
1: So M. Um, this is gonna kind of define the purpose of a Bible study. So get this. I think if you can remember these things, at least I've written down, you'll really remember well what the purpose of a Bible study should be. Ultimately, the Bible study exists for multiplication. Does that make sense? If, if we were just to end up leading a guy's Bible study for the next 10 years, just the six of us, that would not be fulfilling its purpose. It should be multiplying across an entire area. Okay? You would be understanding God's Word. I'm going to put the Bible. Understanding the Bible, right? What if we had a Bible study that didn't get into God's Word? It would be a failure. Okay? <laughs> S would be saturate. Okay, saturate, or saturating an area. Part of the purpose of a Bible study is to literally saturate an area with a witness for Christ, right? An example of who he is, Christians that are going to be able to witness about him, right? T stands for team. And under team, I'm going to give you another acronym, okay, just because I like acronyms. But this is... Um, this is Kind of cheesy, but it works. I think it'll it'll define what I mean by this word a lot. T stands for uh, together. right? So it's a time where you are getting together and, and hanging out and spending time learning together, growing God's word. Uh, there's energy as a result. After you guys meet in, in Bible study small groups, don't you get energized towards following God? Um, there's action. And... M stands for maximized. Right, All those things get maximized in this small group setting. All those things really get taken to the next level where they wouldn't happen on their own if you were just sitting at home on the couch hoping to you know, share your faith or something like that. All right. Now, going down, we have accountability as one of the next purposes of a Small group Bible study, there's supposed to be accountability there, right? R stands for recharge. When you guys hang out together, it recharges you, right? Isn't that true? You're ready to go hit the campus hard next week for Jesus? Okay, indeed, D, the final letter of the acronym is discipleship. Right? Because this whole process of multiplication in small groups they're all part of the discipleship that should already be happening by that point. Okay, you guys all got that? Good. Okay, so that's the purpose. The purpose of a Bible study. Multiplication. Understanding the Bible. Saturating an area for God. Being a team. Staying accountable. Recharging. Discipleship. Mustard. So I hope there's some mustard at your apartment this afternoon. It'll remind us of our purpose. But going on, guys. So that's the purpose of Bible study. I want you to get this. Who should lead a Bible study? Should you guys lead a Bible study? I want want to give you this warning from James. It's in chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Right. So I want to encourage you from the start. This isn't something to rush into. And when it talks about that, here's the reason why. 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 10 gives us an example of what to look for in a leader. Actually, it's Paul telling Timothy that a leader has to show these characteristics before they can lead. So it isn't just about what you know. It's about your character. Your character is a lot more important than your knowledge or your experience. Okay? So here is what a leader must be. A leader must be above reproach, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, sexually pure, able to teach, sincere, a good steward of what God has already entrusted to that person. Luke 16.10 says that if we're faithful, little, we'll be made faithful more. Right, so we have to be faithful with what God has already entrusted to us. In that passage, it's specifically talking about family life, saying that if you don't manage your family well, you shouldn't be a leader. Right? What,
0: what passage
1: is this? It's uh, 1 Timothy 3, 2-10. A leader must be humble and not proud, gentle and not violent or angry, peaceful and not argumentative, content and not greedy. Right? They must not be a recent convert and must avoid the drinking and party scene. Right? And I'm not saying that a leader can never have a beer. Right? But those things that are freedoms for us in Christ, when you assume leadership, you realize that they are not as important as the people that you're reaching, right? I can give up a freedom in order to not hurt my brother. Does that make sense? In fact, Paul said that if it if it causes my brother to stumble, he said, I'll never drink wine again. Right? So it says a leader should not be given to wine or should not be a drunkard or a party or something to that extent. So it doesn't say that he can't ever have Alcohol. But that's between you and God, right? What I think I think err on the side of safety and caution in that area, right? A leader must have a good reputation and quote, he must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. It's a tall word. He must first be tested, guys, and if there is nothing against him, then he can lead. So leadership isn't just something that we flippantly go into, but it's something that after a lot of progress in your walk with God, you assume. With a, level of conscience know, uh, knowing, with a level of conscience knowing what it really means to lead. Does that make sense? And, and even in the New Testament, I want to encourage you with this. Leading pretty much always meant death. <laughs> so it wasn't like today where being a leader was just an issue of, man, I'm going to be a leader. That's awesome. Back then, pretty much if you led, you got killed. And people still led with the right motives, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But remember what happened when the disciples wanted positions of authority, and Jesus said, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And what I want to challenge you with is, in leadership, you're going to have to face feeling alone, you're going to have to face hardships, you're going to have to face opposition from everywhere. Look at the book of Acts. If I'm not mistaken, there are two chapters in the entire book where they are not opposed by someone. They're opposed by the government, they're opposed by other Christians, they're opposed by non-Christians, they're opposed by weather and the elements, (laughs) they're opposed by... Boats breaking down and sinking, I mean, they're opposed by everything. By animals, a snake bite, right? Okay, if you are choosing to lead, you're going to face that stuff. And I want to encourage you today to to make the decision, am I willing to drink this cup, right? Am I willing to follow God leading, even if it means that I get gossiped and slandered about? And you will, I promise it. (laughs) I promise it. Almost every single year that you're a leader, you will. Are you willing to take those steps, even when they're hard, and to stand up for Christ, even when it's not popular, and even when it's not easy, and to say, this is true, and I'm not backing down, right? Okay, let's keep going. (laughs) Those are some of the leadership criteria that I think we should all uh, consider first. So character is more important than knowledge or experience. Character is everything. First, we want to be a faith Christian, remember? You want to be that, first and foremost. Faithful, available, initiative, teachable, heart for God. You want those characteristics to be coming out of your life. So evaluate yourself. Do you see those things? Are you the kind of person that people would want to follow? Right? If, if you wonder if you're a leader, you can always look behind you and see who's following. <laughs> if nobody's following, you're not a leader. And if people are following, uh, wonder, you know, maybe ask yourself why they're following. Or what are they following? Are they just following my personality? Or are they following somebody that's faithful to Jesus? Are they following somebody that has a heart for God? I want people to follow me for those reasons, not because they really like my hairstyle. Yes? I go on, shave it once a month, and just let it grow the rest of the month. Anyway, (laughs) don't you want to be Malcolm's right there with me? It's the perfect guy haircut. I love it. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what a leader does. A leader leads by example, full of character, following Christ, and then other people get to follow you following Christ. Right? So evaluate your character. Are you following Christ? Are you exhibiting those characteristics? Are your motives where they need to be? Because your motives are super important here. 1 Corinthians 10.31, are you in this for God's glory alone? And I'm not saying perfect motives, because all of us are going to struggle with pride and issues like that, insecurities. But honestly, we give those to God. And that's a note. I don't think it's even in here. Guys, in leadership, you're all going to struggle with insecurities. okay? And you're going to be giving those to God every day. And then new, you'll find new ones next week. I guess probably even more so, because there's more at stake. So Satan's going to try even harder, though. You will have here. You the whole kingdom of hell <laughs> fighting you. To the nail, any way it can, right? And so you will find yourself realizing things you maybe didn't before. Uh, Honesty is important for leaders, telling the truth. It seems simple, but it's important. Integrity, vulnerability, be real with people. Don't be a fake, but be real with people. Wisdom, knowledge and application are both involved in wisdom. And maturity, all those are important in leadership. Guys, as you lead, you will see things that tempt you to think that you're a bad leader. Maybe this week, only one guy shows up to your Bible study. Maybe nobody shows up to your Bible study. That's okay. You're doing this for God, not for men, right? You're doing this for God, not for men. Remember there was this guy that became a Christian here? Uh, he's a missionary in Gambia now. And when he first led a Bible study, first week there were like 10 people, and second week there were like 8 people, and then it dwindled. I remember one week, either either nobody came or maybe one person came. And he he was so depressed. And I, I challenged him. I said, who are you doing this for, God or men? I mean, who are you doing this for, God or men? And he said, well, I'm doing it for God, but you can't do it if only one guy shows up. And I said, forget who comes. This is between you and God, guys. And your success isn't determined based on the results, but it's based on your faithfulness. And if you keep with this, if you keep doing this for God and not for men, if you persevere by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will see fruit, you will grow, you will become a better teacher, you will become a better leader, and if you keep doing this process, you will grow into a strong leader that God will use in great ways. So be patient. As God continues to grow you in this area. So, that's who should lead, right? A person of character that's got their eyes on Jesus, they're running after him, they're honest, they're vulnerable, they're full of integrity, they're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not perfect, but they're trusting God every day in pointing people at Jesus, right? So, if that's where you're at, I want to invite you to lead, right? And to lead in such a way that you make multiplying multipliers until the day you die. Okay, so how do you get a Bible study off the ground? biggest phrase I could tell you all night pretty much is take the initiative. Bible studies are never going to happen right if it's half-hearted. You need to take the initiative 100%. You need to go for it. Right? You need to put everything on the line and go for it. You can't do it halfway. On campus, I think you have to start a Bible study the first three weeks of school. If you don't start a Bible study fast, people's schedules get wrapped up, and then that's not going to happen. Right? As you take the initiative, you need to personally invite people. You can't just advertise from a meeting and say, guys, well, I have Bible study, 7, hope you come, and then expect lots of people to come. But this is going to take you taking the initiative to personally invite people to come and join your Bible study and to be a part of it, right? Uh, it's a natural part of this process, remember? We need to meet people first, then we need to share the good news, then we need to follow up with them. Right? This whole process involves taking the initiative to meet people and to ask them to be a part of different things. This would be one step in that whole process, right and then keep following up with them right keep follow- I'm so proud of you, Brandon, and I was so proud of Dakota. We, we got a complaint from the school about a student I'm not going to name who it was who is mad that we kept contacting him, okay. And I thought, if there's anything I want people to get mad about, and you guys are doing an awesome job personally texting them, inviting them to all sorts of different stuff, not just a Christian event, sharing, you know, telling them that you're praying for them, whatever. When I heard that, I thought, golly, those guys are taking the initiative, and they're being persistent, and that's awesome. And for every one person that doesn't like that, there are probably 100 out there that think, man, this is the first time I've been treated with that kind of respect. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the first time somebody's taken that kind of interest in my life. So keep with it, guys. That's a good example to follow. Okay, consistency is key in everything in this process, right? Everything. Uh, If you have a Bible study where one week it's on, one week it's off, the next week week it's on, the next week it's off, if you're always changing location, consistency is is not happening, and the Bible study's going to die, right? Same thing with a weekly (coughs) meeting. With Connect, we've had to switch four times this year, location. And I hate that. It's just, it was part of the school schedule. And it just drives me nuts, because I feel like every time we have to do it in a different location, we're losing consistency. Right? And it, it's hard to keep momentum going when you lose consistency. So in your Bible study, try to main, maintain some con- consistency with location, with time, all those types of issues. Keep it flexible, but also within a structure. right? There might be times where you say, we did this a few weeks ago, it's, uh, I forgot whose birthday it was. it was. Justin was getting married, and it was, was it your birthday yes. and your birthday, right, both your guys'. So we all went out and ate together. That was awesome. So we had some flexibility, but it was also within that structure, right? We were still meeting at that same time. So consistency is key. All those things help you get a Bible study off the ground, taking the initiative, personally inviting people, keeping it consistent, right, and keeping in contact. Okay, so what should you teach, guys? We're going to get a little bit into something that I think is really important that I, I want to hit hard because I think that as you think about leading a Bible study, you should remember these things. First of all, Bible study should be a Bible study, not a book study. That makes a lot of sense. There, there is room to use other resources. We did the Art of War. We used that as a resource once for our, our Fight Bible study. It was good. You could use something like Laura's Bible study that she just got published, which is so cool. It's in bookstores and all that. It's on Amazon. Right. That'd be a great Bible study. But when you use a tool, make sure that it is nothing more than a tool, that your focus is God's Word, right? Because the art of war is not going to change your heart. It's not going to change you from the inside out, but God's Word will, right? So we need to help people learn and understand God's Word in depth. We need to help them get in God's Word and be transformed, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, by God's Word, right? So use God's Word when you teach a Bible study. Don't make it a book study, okay? Check this out, Deuteronomy 30, 14, the word is in your heart and in your mouth. Love it and speak it, guys. That's what I want to encourage you with as Bible study leaders. Love God's word, speak God's word. Make it everything. I'm going to turn that off. Mark 12, 30, remember what it says? It says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do that with his word as well. Love his word with everything. Be committed to learning and growing in God's word yourself so that you can teach others as well. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says, don't go beyond what is written. I think this is something that's key. When you're you're going to God's Word, don't make this an issue of opinion. Nobody needs your opinion when you're teaching a Bible study. (laughs) There might be a place and a time for you to say that, but be real careful to make sure people know it's your opinion. God's Word is what has to change people. So make it a Bible study, not a book study. Uh, Guys, God's Word sustains us. If you are getting people in the Word every week, they will be growing. Matthew 4.4 4 says that God's Word is our spiritual food. Right? It says, man will not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You would never forget to eat while well, you might. It's kind of rare, especially for us guys. My wife does forget to eat sometimes. Uh, but you guys, you never get tired of good food either, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people say, that topic is so old. I need something new. And I want to say, if, 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 it, if it was important to God, he would have told it to us 2,000 years ago. The whole It's not like the whole church suffered until Jack was born so that Jack could come up with this nugget that nobody had till now. Does that make sense? I used to think that, like, God, give me some special nugget. And God's like, just teach my word. It's going to change people from the inside out. They don't need a nugget. <laughs> they need to know and love and live my word. Right? Um, So, God didn't mess up the church for 2,000 years just so that I could get here and save the day. God's Word is spiritual food, and it sustains me. And just like I don't get tired of delicious bacon cheeseburgers, I should never get tired of anything in God's Word. It should always be sustaining me. It's always delicious. It's always good. It's always healthy. Maybe not like a bacon cheeseburger. Okay? Yeah, it's good for you. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous nourish many. Now, as you guys speak God's word, that you guys are going to nourish the people in your Bible studies. Because it's spiritual food again. right? So God's word sustains us. God's word guides us. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. How many of you guys have been in the cave with us when we turn off all the lights and we say, how would, how would you navigate your way out of here without a light? It's impossible. Your feelings would not get you further than the next 30 footfall, <laughs> Right? You're... Thinking your best logic would not get you 10 feet further than your feelings, right? Your friend's advice would do no better. You are pretty much stuck and dead until you have a light on. And that's how we are in this world, until we get in God's Word. So His Word sustains us, but it also guides us. And here's what you guys get to do, right? Just like His Word is a light unto my path, Psalm 119, 130 says, The unfolding of your Word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So as you lead a Bible study, you're unfolding God's Word for people in a way that gives them light. It's a light to their path, and you're helping them navigate through this life based on God's Word, based on faith in His truth, not in their own feelings or thoughts or whatever friend's advice about what this world says. Okay, God's Word keeps us from sinning. You guys remember this short progression right here, I think? James 1, 14 through 15 says sin starts in my desires or my thinking, right? Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says God thinks differently than me and He acts different than me as well. Right? So if you want to think like Jesus, or if you want to act like Jesus, I gave it away, you gotta think like Jesus, right? So we need to get God's word in our heart. That's why Psalm 119-1 says, Hide God's word in your heart, you won't sin. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says it renews us, right, and transforms us. So here's kind of what I wanted to summarize about staying in God's word, is get this. That's where people get everything they need, is from God's Word. Not from my opinion, not from a book, not from an experience. They get all from His Word. In fact, your opinion does not matter. I want to just run through a few opinions that I've heard a lot in Christendom over my life. Tell me if you've heard these. You can raise your hand if you have. But they're all crazy, and this stuff is like flat-out contradictory to everything you see in Scripture, but we hear it almost every Sunday. Check this out. How many of you go to church and hear somebody say, God filled this place? God doesn't fill a place. He fills a person, right? Isn't that interesting? He already promised. If two or three are there, he's there too. So he, I don't have to ask him to come fill this place, right? Uh, how about Spirit rain down or come, Holy Spirit? You hear that, stuff? Go. What do you mean, come, Holy Spirit? He's in me. He's in you. He's here with us because we're gathered in His name. I don't have to invite him here. He's here. But it sounds silly. But this is important. As soon as you start to pray, come, Holy Spirit. What does that imply to everybody there? He's not, there. He's not here. They're, they're being indoctrinated in a ton of error, even by a prayer like that. Even by a statement like that. Christians start to believe the Holy Spirit is not here until I pray some prayer just right. Does that make sense? Instead of living daily with the confidence that he is filling me and controlling me as I am, Right? Does that make sense? What about this? Put out a fleece to determine what God's will is. Gideon was disobeying God. All the time when I'm considering a decision, I'll have at least one friend say, did you put a fleece out yet? I <laughs> think, yeah, I get it. God mercifully answered Gideon's prayer, but he was disobedient. He knew what God had already called him to.
0: Just a quick question about the Holy Spirit thing. What about if you're praying for others that don't necessarily have Christ in their life, that somehow the Holy Spirit would like to upon them? Is that they even reveal himself to them or whatever? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a different situation. We could talk more about that then. But obviously, if they don't know Christ, the Holy Spirit's not yet in their life. And I can pray that he would work in their life in a big way. Absolutely. Okay, okay I'm going to go through a few of these. What about give God a clap offering? <laughs> Every time this, <laughs> they say this at my church, and I love my church, so don't criticize my church, but it gets said a lot. I totally sit on my hands. What in the world is a clap offering? How about a A life-lived-for-God offering, (laughs) right? A clap? You think, banging your hands together, God's like, Woo! they're clapping! (laughs) And you were looking at porn an hour ago. You know what I mean? I don't think a clap offering is going to do it for God. I think he wants to see a life lived for him, right? Okay, uh, clap offering. What about, it's good to be in the house of God. No, God doesn't live in buildings made by human hands. He lives in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit now. That's all in Scripture. Uh, okay, raise your hand for a touch from God today. Every, gosh, no, God is going is to work in your heart the second you allow him to. Raising your hand is not going to do it. <laughs> Raising your hand. I want to make a note there. Maybe they're encouraging people to... Um, maybe engage somehow with something that they know All I, I don't know but it's definitely not super going back way. to the house of god
0: comment doesn't jesus like when he's just tearing apart the the fair within the temple like say something like around the lines of like you guys are making a mockery out, out of who's turning over the, the table yeah, and out of out of my father's home or house said so
1: that his, his father's house should be called house of prayer and obviously Jesus was talking about the temple then, which now we are the temple, right? That was before he died. That was before okay. the new covenant. That was before the Holy Spirit came to live in every single believer. right? Okay, just going to go through this really Sorry. quickly. Uh, what, what about when people say, I need more of God or I need a double portion. I hear this all the time. You need a double portion of God or the Holy Spirit. I think we have 100%. You can't get double of 100%. 100% is 100%. <laughs> But again, every time somebody says this, it's opinion, it's not scripture, and what does it convey to you? There's more for you to get that God has withheld. What does it say in, in uh, 2 Peter, why am I getting confused, One three, Right? 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need. I'm not lacking anything. I don't need a magical double portion. I have everything I need for life and godliness, right? What about some others that you might hear? Don't leave here the same as you came in. Well, hopefully they won't. But that's really between them and God. Meet God here today. The second I'm starting to tell people things like that, I'm I'm telling them non-verbally or actually verbally, I'm conveying to them that you can't meet God before you, you come in this building. Does that make sense? You need to come to this building to meet God. Gosh, from the front, I want to be telling people. I hope I hope that this building is a place where you just come to hang out with other Christians that have been connecting with God all week, just like you, right, so we can encourage each other. The things we say mean mean a lot, and when we say things that are just opinion like this, it can really screw up people's thinking, and it can get them really off track. And I want to encourage you in a Bible study, don't say these little Christianese comments that are going to mess people up. Make everything you say come straight from God's own mouth and his word, okay? Uh, you can go on and on and on and on, God believes in me. God knows that you are a filthy, rotten sinner, (laughs) and he believes in his Holy Spirit, you know, that'd be a good way to think of it, right? A lot of times I hear churches say you have to tithe to the local church. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I think Christians should tithe, obviously. I think we should give beyond tithing. I think that's scriptural, right? But honestly, there's nowhere in scripture where it says you have to tithe to a local church, but it's convenient if you're considered a local church to, you know, for people to think that, because... Does that make sense? That's taking away people's freedom, though. Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 9, each one should give what he's determined in his heart to give, because God loves a cheerful giver, right? But we start hearing things that steal your freedom, and steal your joy, and it says that we shouldn't give under compulsion, but that right, right there is compulsion. I have to give to this one area, I can't give where I'm passionate about giving. Does that make sense? So my own opinion starts to rob people of the freedom that God wants them to walk in. Does that make sense? And even the idea of a local church, guys, and I don't want this to sound too awkward. God does everything through his body, through the church. The church is just a gathering of believers. I think you were telling that to uh, Dylan last week. He told me that you shared that with him, I said, that's exactly right. In fact, in, in the Christians didn't really assemble like Sunday morning at this address until about 300 AD. I mean, they would have gotten killed if they had a regular meeting point like that, right? They met in houses. Wherever they gathered together, that was a church. And a lot of times people take something like this concept of the church, and they start to say, gosh, I need to get off these opinions so that we can get to some actual training. But this is, I think these are good for you guys to think through as you think about leading Bible study, right? But they'll say the ecclesia is the, is the biblical word for church in the Greek. Well, ecclesia just meant a gathering. It was just an assembly. In fact, in Acts 19, three different times, the word ecclesia is used to describe a rioting mob that wants to kill Paul. Okay, so it obviously was not the local church, the sure. <laughs> Local church wasn't trying like to that. kill Paul. Right? And so even in scripture, we don't have this one strict it's always like this as far as a local little church. I think we need to have freedom to say that is a good thing. It's really good that First Baptist is down on Third Avenue, it's really good the river church is off on Florida. That is that works in our society, thank God for these buildings that can be used for God's glory. But the real deal is God's body. The real deal is Christians connecting with each other and reaching out and making a difference for Jesus, right? Okay, going on, guys. Uh, There is so much fellowship equals hanging out. That's not true. Uh, Going to church. Have you ever heard that? What church do you go to? Gosh, what church? You're a part of the church. You don't go to a church. Um, Remember the whole gift of evangelism thing? You have a gift of? I mean, these are all opinions that are just prevalent out there, but they have nothing to do with... With uh, with with God's word. Here's a big one. Reach the poor, the homeless, the inner city. We should do those things, right? But gosh, don't millionaires need Jesus too. Right? We want to do a video of some guys driving down the street in beamers. Be like, who will reach them? and make it sound all about <laughs> one sorry and everything like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> It'd be kind of funny. But anyway, guys. Uh, going on, worship equals singing. We've heard that so many times. I even hear that at times from the front of a church. Worship is not singing. Worship is a life lived for God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Overemphasizing the still small voice that we hear. Can God speak to you personally? Absolutely. There's one time in the entire Bible where it talks about a still small voice, and it was it was um, it was a story where you know it. It wasn't a command to, to expect this. I am not going to say that God can't speak to you in a still, small voice. But this should not be the overemphasis of your life. Right? I need to get in God's word. And if God chooses to speak to me with a still, small voice, praise God. But man, today, I know I can open his word and hear a loud and clear voice right now. You know, uh, So it's both and. I'm not going to say it's either or. But I shouldn't overemphasize in one area. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it goes on and on and on. Pray for more faith. No, grow your faith. What does that mean to you? Let's end on that one opinion, make a commitment tonight to never say in your Bible study, what does that passage mean to you? (laughs) Because I don't want this to sound mean, but it doesn't matter what it means to you, right? God intended it to mean something. And if I'm teaching others, I need to know what God intended it to mean. And here's something, guys, is not all opinions are right. And not all opinions are valid. And as a Bible study leader, you're going to have to have the authority, and we'll touch on that in a minute, To be able to say, this is true, and it's not just random, whatever I feel like it means today. Does that make sense? I'm going to go to the truth of God's Word, and we're going
0: to put everything there. But, like, I mean, you said you're going to get into this, but, like, what are some, like, good tools to go about defining what Scripture's main purpose is? Because, obviously, if you don't, or if you're not able to know what that purpose is, you shouldn't just bring it up in your Bible study, period.
1: Because it leaves room for doubt, and... For, this is going back to the Bible study being a the Bible study leader being a competent leader that's mature that's wise that's tested. What you need to do is you need to be learning, reading, memorizing, studying, meditating, and applying God's word. Right? Mm-hmm. You need to be studying it by an inductive Bible study method, hopefully. Right? Uh, observation, interpretation, application, big picture. What does it mean? How does it apply in my life, or how do I apply it? How do I obey it in my life today? Right? We talk about keeping the major issues major, the minor issues minor, reading everything in context, not out of context, both in the context of the passage and the context of Scripture. Right? Those principles will guide you to an ultimate knowledge of what's true in God's Word. It won't just be opinion. right? So we need to stay there. Okay, I'm going to go fast because we only have about ten minutes, and we have a lot to go through. But Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing, uh, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. His word is living and active. His word is going to change people from the inside out. His word is going to be real to people where they are at today. We must understand his word by reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on it, and then we have to apply it. Now, get this: knowledge without application equals deception. You can see James one twenty-two, and then it also equals pride. 1 Corinthians 8.1. So knowledge without application equals deception and pride. Knowledge with application equals zeal and passion. You can read Romans 10.2, Romans 12.11, and Proverbs 19.2. I think those verses are on your notes, right? So you guys, we've got to get in this word. We've got to learn it. We've got to know it. We've got to study it. And then we've got to apply it. And we've got to do all those things in our Bible studies in such a way that, that they are growing the way God intended for them to grow. Okay, so topics. What should I do a Bible study on? Should I do it on the book of Revelation? Should I do it on uh, why God hates X, Y, or Z? Should I, what should I do it on? It
0: depends okay. on the group, too. Well,
1: that. it kind of does, but we're going to get into three types, like we talked about. We have Jesus groups. What's the topic in a Jesus group?
0: Jesus. Jesus, right?
1: 1 Corinthians 3.11 says there's no other foundation other than Jesus Christ. A Jesus group is laying a foundation for growth and multiplication. By making the foundation, Jesus, there's no other foundation. We can't do this whole process on the foundation of the book of Revelation. (laughs) It doesn't work, right? We need to be focusing on Jesus. He needs to be the foundation for this whole process. Who gets invited to this? Actually, we'll go through that in a minute. But the Jesus groups are basically designed to be evangelistic and also foundational. They're both. If you don't know Christ, you can go there and you can learn about Christ. And if you do know Christ, you can go there and grow your foundation. Whether you've been a Christian for a day or a decade, right? You can still grow in a Jesus group. Growth groups would be reproducible growth topics. Things like how do you study God's word? How do you walk by faith? How do you deal with sin? How do you share your faith? All those things are involved in growth. Does that make sense? They're helping you grow as a believer. They're helping you take steps of faith following Christ. An action group, guys, is leadership training, development, and encouragement. The whole point of an action group over here is to make new leaders. Does that make sense? That's why this action group right here should always be a group of leaders. Right? You shouldn't have people that aren't leading in an action group. Why? What happens? They won't learn how to... And what did we just talk about? What happens when you have knowledge without application? Deception. Deception and pride. Okay? So if you have an action group where you're saying, Hey, leaders, how are you today? You guys are such good leaders. But none of them are actually leading. They end up being deceived and thinking that a leader doesn't need a lead. And they end up getting really proud about being called leader, but they're not really doing anything. Does that make sense? It's exactly what Scripture tells us would happen. And it's what we see if we try to do it, if we try to have an action group without the people in that action group actually leading and actually being in the action, right? So you have Jesus groups, lay the foundation, growth group, grow, action groups, multiply. Leadership is developed here, right? Because these people are actually getting in the action. These people have been through this process, so they've seen a Jesus group. So Bill right here, let's say this is Bill, he can lead a Jesus group. Let's say that's a Jesus group right there. Does that make sense? he can do it because he's been there he's seen it he actually saw malcolm lead the jesus group and he gosh malcolm discipled me malcolm led a jesus group i saw how he did it i can do it too see how the multiplication is happening actually now malcolm isn't just malcolm but now malcolm is multiplied to bill does that make sense and over here this guy he can do a growth group because oh my gosh brandon he discipled me and he did a growth group and i watched him do the growth group and i learned like crazy when i was in that growth group and now i'm scared to death But see, Malcolm is discipling me, I mean, in this case, Brandon is discipling me, and so he's over here. And so he's going to encourage me through this process and help me also lead a growth group. Does that make sense? So those are the three types of groups, and the reason that they happen is they are facilitating multiplication, which is over here, our goal for this group, right? They're facilitating multiplication because it doesn't end here. And what happens if this guy says, I'm going to do a Bible study on the book of Revelation. Okay, is there a time and a place to talk about the book of Revelation? Yeah. What if, but what if you make this your, your, your Bible study on campus? There's no multiplication. It ends right there. In a, in a Bible study about the book of Revelation, people aren't learning how to deal with sin. They're not learning how to share their faith. They're not X, Y, or Z. Does that make sense? So there are certain Bible studies that happen a lot of times in churches, and they're kind of counterintuitive to the whole process because they stop the process. They become more they become more issue related than process related. Does that make sense? The second we get an issue related Bible study, you end the process of multiplication. Can, can would, you ask in a minute? Yeah, we, sure. Because mm-hmm. we have like three minutes here, and yeah. I have probably like three pages. And this is all so important. So I want to get through it. This is super important, guys. Okay, so I want to encourage you guys, don't kill multiplication. If you're dying to talk about the book of Revelation, say, gosh, me and a few friends, we're going to get coffee, and we're going to talk about the book of Revelation. It'll be awesome. And you guys will probably have some of the best fellowship anybody ever had over a cup of coffee, right? Or we're going to pack an elk out of the woods and talk about the book of Revelation, right? Or we're going to get dinner. I don't care how you do it. But don't make this the context of your ministry. Otherwise, you'll end multiplication and growth. You want to keep going with the process to keep cranking out new leaders. It, this, it sounds kind of um, machinistic, if you can use that word, but it's true. You want to produce more leaders. You want people to go through this process to see how it's done and then to be able to do it themselves. right? So you might pick a theme like we did, like getting in the fight. But every week, that that theme is going to God's word. It's helping us grow in accountability and all these areas of scripture and application, and it's providing a foundation for people to keep multiplying. We shared our faith together. We did all these other issues together. Does that make sense? So it all comes back to keeping multiplication going. So here's the deal. How do you invite people to these groups? Too much, too soon, too bad, too little, too late, so sad, rest famous statement. Uh, And who do you invite to a Jesus group? Anyone, right? <laughs> you can invite a non-Christian, an old Christian, a new Christian. You could invite anyone. Somebody that's just searching. They don't know where they're at. Who do you invite to a growth group, do you think? Somebody who's been through a Jesus group. That's a good start. I want What would you guys think from the acronyms, from everything that we have up here? <laughs> if you're trying to, to create multiplication, what kind of people do you really want in this growth group? You want to be developing leaders. Okay. Usually. There are thirst, I mean. So when you're a over here in the other. funnel, what are you looking for? Already Christian, Already Christian. Christian No, you're looking for something different. when you're. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. But when you're doing discipleship, what are you looking for? Faithful. Faithful, available, initiative, teachable, heart for God. Don't you want that stuff in these growth groups right here? Yeah. yeah. What if you have somebody that's not teachable, and all they want to do is argue with you, and ask, why aren't we doing this on the book of Revelation, Brandon? That guy probably needs to hang out in the funnel some. You're not going to get mad at him. You're not going to be like, oh, you jerk, I hate you. Right? But you want to just let him do, let him go at his pace where he's at. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be spending time investing in these people, and here's the other thing the context, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. I go a little bit late. There's so much to talk about. You're discipling these guys, hopefully, in your Bible study, or these ladies, right? You're doing a women's Bible study, and you want to be discipling faith people, and you want to be inviting them to be in that Bible study as well. Okay, so Jesus group, open everyone. Growth group, try to look for faith Christians. All right, and really invest in them, invite them, keep in contact with them, but try to invite those types of people to that growth group, okay? Who do you invite to action group? Leaders, potential leaders. Potential leaders. People that have taken a lot of steps, they've been through some of this process, does that make sense? They've actually seen how some of this goes, maybe not all of it, right? But they've actually maybe tried to share their faith. They're, they're a faith Christian too, so I'd say faith Christians that are also potential leaders.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Remember what it said going back to 1 Timothy 3, that they've been tested and that they that they that, that they're ready, right? So you wanna look for people that have had some testing. Right. They've actually been in the fight a little bit, and you've been able to look at them. And you realize, yep, they have some leadership potential. Okay, with all these Bible studies and all this process, you want to keep it focused, not hyper-spiritual. Okay, keep it real where people are at. All right, so the context of this whole thing. And we're going to kind of go fast, so bear with me, but this is good. Uh, remember the five R's, keep it real, relevant, relational, revolutionary, action-oriented, and give them a role. Everybody in your Bible study should have a role. It shouldn't just be Leah leading the whole thing and everybody looks at Leah and wishes they're like Leah, right? Everybody should be invited to participate. You should have good group dynamics that invite participation. You want to facilitate discussion. This shouldn't be a monologue. Now it's at this point that we're gonna, we're gonna kind of cross this off. Can we go are you guys gonna die if we go ten minutes late? <laughs> We're well, all going to die eventually. It's a scientific fact. You never know. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so group dynamics. Here's here is a way to look at it. Here is, here is um, a group. Okay, here's, here is Shelby. Okay, and then I'm going to do another example over here. picked on Josh. Okay, now here's, here's your group, right? These are all the people that are in your group, and Erin showed me this today. She said, don't forget to do this, and I thought that's awesome, babe. So glad you <laughs> showed me that diagram, So because I didn't remember. Typically what happens in a lot of groups, and here's Josh, we're going to make Josh the bad guy here, okay? <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens in a lot of Bible studies and churches. The Bible study leader talks, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah,
0: okay?
1: And then he says, what do you think, Tom, about what I just said? And Tom says, blah, 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 okay? And then he keeps talking more, blah, 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 and then he asks the next guy, what do you think about what I just said? Oh, blah, 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 oh yeah, okay, I'm going to keep talking, blah, 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 okay? There's no interaction there. Does that make sense? It's like one way. And you might be shifting who you're doing the one way with, but it's just one way. Now, the goal, if you're gonna facilitate discussion, here's Shelby. Shelby says, Hey Kim, what did you think about that? And Kim says, blah blah blah. <laughs> okay. And then what could you ask to help facilitate some discussion? So it's not, not just going back and forth between you two. How would you make that relevant to your life? Yeah, that would be one thing. um, You could say, hey, Ashley. What what, what do you think about what Kim just said, Ashley? Oh, now it's going this way. Now it's going that way. And see, you're drawing people out to help them interact. Does that make sense? You're helping them bounce off each other. Does that make sense? Right? So it's not just one way and then one way and then one way, but you're helping draw them into this process. Right? So you're facilitating some discussion. Okay, so as you're doing this, guys, remember, here's the context for, for the Bible study. Uh, group discussion and interaction. Discipleship is happening. You're discipling the people in your group. That would be the perfect picture right there. Small groups don't replace one-on-one. They complement each other. They're both part of the process. Remember we talked about the four contexts of, disi- of discipleship last week? We have one-on-one and then after that we had a small group, and then we had a weekly big meeting, and then evangelism. Those four contexts also apply to Bible studies, right? The Bible study should have each of those aspects. So discipleship uh, has to happen in this process. They don't replace each other. And I've heard a lot of churches say, well, we have Bible studies, that's our discipleship. You should say, well, that's a part, that's maybe one-fourth of the discipleship process, right? So you should be discipling the people in your Bible study. Action and application have to be happening in your Bible study. Praying together, you've got to pray together as a Bible study. Pray together and for each other. You've got to have fun together. That's why it was so cool when like half our Bible study got to pack your elk out of the woods, right? We had fun together. Um, you start to form a group identity when you're when you're doing when you have these context issues, right? You start to have authentic accountability because you actually trust each other. You have to build some trust, and then you can be accountable and you can share weaknesses. You can share issues, right? Sometimes you could have a theme like a snowboarder's Bible study, but I found that typically those don't work so well, right? I think the better theme is we're going to have a growth group, and anybody that wants to grow, they can be a part of this Bible study. It doesn't matter if they rock line or not, right? And then help, as the leader, help people really love each other. Does that make sense? You're going to have people in your group, and we'll talk about issues next. I want to talk about some issues you're going to face You'll have people that don't feel like they interact. They don't feel like they connect. They don't feel like they're a part of things. Help draw them in. Everybody has to feel loved and accepted in that Bible study. Okay? Okay, so issues, guys. Walk with authority. I want to challenge you. As a Bible study leader, you have authority from God, so walk with it. Titus 1.13 says to rebuke sharply. And then 2.15 says to rebuke with all authority, but it also says to encourage. And those words mean a whole lot in Greek. We don't have time to go there. But you as a leader should walk in the authority that God has given you, right? From his word. You're going to do this in love. You're going to do this encouraging. But you can't back down from the truth. You guys, you really have to put it all on the line. Remember, if you want people to become Christ-like, you're going to have to struggle with their flesh. That's going to happen in discipleship, and it's also going to happen in Bible studies. Right? People are going to say, I don't like that. I don't like what you just said. I don't like what you just did. You're going to have to struggle with it. Listen carefully. When you're not speaking, listen to what's going on, what people are saying, and go back to it if you need to. Guys, get good at asking questions. If there's anything you could pray that God would do in your life, pray that he'd make you good at asking questions. And thinking up the right questions to ask to draw people out. Uh, Get good at interaction and discussion, like we said, by asking questions. Clarify things by asking questions. Don't assume where people are at. Clarify Set direction by asking questions. You can ask questions that are going to set direction, right? How do you think we could apply that verse? Are you just ask a question and set in the direction. We're talking about application now. We're going to come up with some ideas, then we're going to do them, right? Finally, guys, uh, make sure everyone gets involved and has a role. Okay. Stop. Here's another issue in Bible studies. People are going to get off on bunny trails. Stop them. You have to end the bunny trail. As a leader, right? You have to rein the conversation in. You could say that's interesting. I really like what you had to say about the book of Revelation. Sorry to be picking on that. He is a big fan. And we all should be. It's God's word. <laughs> but, uh, but just as an example, somebody says, gosh, what do you guys think about the Antichrist? Hey, that's really interesting. Let's talk about it later, guys. Right now, we got to get back to this issue that we're talking about. Right? You know, Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you're reining the conversation back in. What about co-ed, guys, women's Bible studies? There should be a place for those, maybe in a church setting. You could have a singles group, you could have a families group. But typically, growth happens best when you can meet with the people that are of your same sex. Because there are a lot of those contexts, like accountability, honesty, vulnerability, that can't happen when you're in a mixed situation, right? Joe is not gonna come talking about his struggle with porn when is sitting right over here. <laughs> He's like, I don't think so. You know, But with some guys that he's built some trust with that he thinks, man, you guys struggle with lust. too, I'm going to take a risk and actually be honest about this struggle and get it out and open. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's, I think, predominantly, there should be a guys' Bible studies, girls' Bible studies, or women's Bible studies type of situation, but not always. There are places for a co-ed type of situation. And I know you guys are doing one, and sometimes that works, and I think sometimes that's really what's needed. Sometimes... If you can have a big group growing together, it's important. But it shouldn't ever replace a Bible study where, you, where guys can get together and women can get together. Right? So maybe they can complement each other but not replace each other. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, notes about each of those. Oh, a good verse for that, Proverbs 27, 17. Like, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We sharpen each other. Okay, down to the last page. have got a minute to go. This is awesome. Right, so, peculiarities of guys groups. I just want to throw this out here. If you're leading a men's Bible study, uh, some things that you have to bring up you cannot shy away from are, I would say, lust and porn. You have to hit those. There are things that will stop people dead in their tracks, and if they don't get brought up, people are going to stay dead in their tracks until somebody takes the initiative to bring them up. And then guys get freedom, and when guys get freedom, they turn into lions. <laughs> they turn into possum awesome and a guy. And so, as you lead, you're going to have to bring these things up. You can't be passive about it. Uh, Time for guys don't go forever. Don't take as long as I have today, because guys usually can't handle it. Uh, The place, I think, for guys usually does not matter. Guys are pretty good wherever. Now for you women, some peculiarities that I think you must address, and Leah, you'd be much better at this. I talked with Aaron a little bit about it, but I think you have to address things like insecurities and and past issues, like from their past. Um, Time and place are important. For women, I think usually, from what we've seen, Women want lots of time to talk something out. They do not want like a 45-minute schedule and then I have to be out of here. And often they want it to be in a really nice place where they can hang out, enjoy each other's company. It might not always be that that way, but but look for those issues. Okay, some other issues. Don't back off the truth. We've said it before. Don't be afraid of confrontation. You're going to have to struggle with people's flesh. Just come to grips with it and be ready for it. Don't be afraid of silence, just like in evangelism. He who speaks first loses. There might be awkward, silent spots in your Bible study. Get okay with it. Let the Holy Spirit work in people's hearts. Right? And, and, but hopefully it's not like that the whole time. Hopefully there's discussion. Stop arguments by going right back to the main point. End arguments as soon as they come up. Stop pride and one-upmanship. If somebody's trying to one-up everybody in the Bible study, you need to end that. You might need to confront that person, too. Right. Deal with awkward social issues carefully and appropriately. Ask God for lots of wisdom about how to deal with those issues. We we've, we've had we had a Bible study once where one of the guys was um, gay, and he got really mad at the Bible study leader. Actually, killed his pet, slashed his tires, and sent death threats to our worship leader, <laughs> and to um, and to us as a whole. And said he was going to bomb Connect and kill everybody there. So that was an awkward social situation where we had to be awkward. very. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, beyond awkward. So. We had to be real sensitive to the Holy Spirit and. and walk in a lot of wisdom, right? You might have to deal with things like that, right? So be be ready to deal, and you can't just push them under the rug. You're going to have to deal with awkward social situations and issues. Avoid denominational issues, guys. Somebody's bound to say, what do you guys think about X? And as a Bible study leader, you should say, let's get coffee and talk about X. But right now, let's focus. So avoid denominational issues. Keep the main thing the main thing. Remember, what Howard Hendrick said, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. <laughs> right? The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. It's good stuff. Alright, almost done here. Be patient with the people in your group and show them mercy and grace. Okay, finally, guys, I want to encourage you to multiply spiritual multipliers. This process is designed around reproducible content. You shouldn't study anything that the next guy couldn't reproduce to the next generation. Okay? It also should always be designed around leadership development. You have to give these guys right here the opportunity to grow here and lead here. Last year in our Bible study, each of you guys got an opportunity to lead. Gosh, I feel like I'm leading the Bible. Oh, I'm not leading it right now. I want you But anyway, here's the deal. I feel like we have a Bible study of like six Bible study leaders. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, It's an action group more than anything. Right? You guys... This should always go back to leadership development and multiplication. Keep it small. Plan plan to multiply. If your Bible study hits 10 people, you should bust it up and start multiplying. Right? Branch and grow. Saturate an area. If you get too many people, make two Bible studies and saturate the area that much more with God. This is how Jesus did it. He invested in the 12 always. He stuck with the 12. He invested in his small group. Guys, this is how we should do it. Follow this process. Do it for the rest of your lives, guys. I beg you to do this process for the rest of your life and keep doing it. And you're going to get better at it. So as we close, that's the last thing I want to say. Just start doing it. Because as you practice it, all this stuff is going to really become strong in your life. You're going to get good at it. And you're going to be a multiplying spiritual multiplier. Okay, let's pray and get out of here. because It's time for Bible studies. Sorry to go on. I'm so glad that, that you guys have this content, though, and I hope it really results in you leading effective Bible studies. Okay, so real quickly, Josh, will you just close this in prayer?
0: Sure, sure. Uh, dear Lord, I just want to thank you for um, this time and the wisdom that you've given me to pass on to us, Lord. I pray that you would help us grow as leaders, that you would pinpoint and show us the areas that we're lacking, and that we would all grow as leaders and and grow to follow this process and get better at this process of of multiplication, God. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you for this wonderful day and, and for fellowship, and that we can all grow as leaders together, God. Those things in your name, Amen. amen.